You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast, and we are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome to the show. This episode, y'all, this episode changed our lives. I'm not kidding. It's going to rock your world in the best way possible. Today, we had the pleasure of sitting down with the incredible and iconic Shay Cochran, CEO of Social Squares. And oh, like Shay did not come to mess around. If you don't know who Shay is, let me give you a quick breakdown of this absolutely fantastic woman. Oh my gosh. Shay started her journey into entrepreneurship as a commercial photographer and product stylist and eventually founded what is now known as the Social Squares Membership, where she put years of her work as a commercial stylist and photographer into a highly curated stock image membership that supplies elevated stock images for female-owned online brands. We love her. We love Social Squares, all the things. But her vision is to enable more women to find greater success sharing their ideas and businesses with the world. And she manages to do this in just a 16-hour work week. She's been married for 15 years to her fellow entrepreneur husband, Graham Cochran, and they call sunny Tampa, Florida home along with their two daughters. Now, today we talked with this incredible woman about the life-changing concept of her 16-hour work week, and Shay covers the story behind starting the 16-hour work week, and hint, it's probably not how or when you expected that she started tea inside the episode. Um, And she shared her thoughts behind building and scaling a business while only working a couple of days a week. And she spits fire on one of the biggest pitfalls for entrepreneurs. The mindset that working harder and more equals a better business or more happiness and success. And she gives a mind-blowing principle that will revolutionize your business and your work hours. Like I, I'm still reeling y'all. I am still reeling. (laughs) If you're a mama wondering how to build or run a business while also being a present mom, or you're just literally sitting here stuck drowning in the overwhelm and burnout of being in every aspect of your business and just being like, help, I need a life raft. Shay has got you. She is here to be your lifeguard. This episode is going to blow your mind. It blew ours. We're actually unwell. So let's welcome Shay to the show. So you want to grow on Instagram, but you don't know where to start. You may even be posting out the wazoo, but you're still not seeing any progress. Here's the deal. While being consistent is key to growing on the gram, it's not the only thing you need. In fact, one of the most important aspects of growing on social media comes down to strategy. In order to create a killer social media strategy where you're not only attracting new clients, but turning them into paying clients, you need a plan. Yes. And today we are about to help you create a customized social media marketing strategy for free that will result in a ton of Instagram growth that will turn into sales and business growth. Now, are you ready to deep dive? We thought so. Grab our freebie, how to define and establish your content pillars at theheartuniversity.com forward slash pillars. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Shay, welcome to the show, friend. We are so excited to have you here. 
Hi, I am just as excited, if not more, to be oh here. Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, first of all, I know we're going to get into the interview, but literally, we have to talk about your stories this morning. Like, <laughs> we have to talk about... I kind of feel like I'm in high school again, like trying to get the fun, cool girls to like me is how I feel in this situation. It's okay, like, that's, that's like literally how we feel about you. So Shay went on her stories this morning and was like, guys, I'm on the Heart and Hustle podcast and I just want to be like the third BFF in this group, <laughs> in this girl gang. Uh, and she photoshopped like a photo of herself next to me and Evie on a couch, like a, a photo Wait. shoot that me and Evie did. It is the most iconic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I just had the thought we should have that be the episode, like cover oh photo. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I had to literally relearn. I had to relearn how to use Photoshop just to create that. Okay. We can can give Shay like her professional, like awesome, like girl boss, like photo. But then when we swipe on the carousel. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It needs to be in there. Oh my gosh. Well, we are so excited. This is, you know, an honor having you here, Shay. And this is you. This is your initiation into the girl gang. You are now the the third in our, in our trio has become duo has become trio. Um, (laughs) We're excited. I feel like this, this conversation is going to be just so lively and yet deep and powerful. I'm really excited to dive in. But before we do that, um, do you want to tell us just kind of like a little bit of your story and a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Okay. So I actually started in wedding and portrait photography. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that oh, was, I you know, I thought just like everybody else, that was the only way to make any money as a photographer. <laughs> same, so same. I was in wedding and portrait photography 13 years ago. And I started having kids and I was like, I don't want to be working on evenings and weekends anymore. You know, I also had just like, I wasn't passionate about it anymore. And that was when I made kind of like an overnight pivot into commercial product photography. Mm -hmm. And my first client was Emily Lay, Simplified Planner. Um, And that's like its own crazy story in and of itself if we're ever talking about like just making a really big, scary pivot. But um, I kind of pivoted 100% into commercial product photography and did that for a few years. Got to work with some awesome brands like Sugarfina and like just wonderful, amazing, powerful, like powerhouse female run um, brands. And I did that while my kids were little. But as that grew, I was like, I can't just drop everything and fly out to LA to like shoot a, you know, catalog at a drop of a hat. And the way things work, you know, at that level, it's just very, it's just different. (laughs) And I had little kids at home and I didn't want to live that kind of like fast last minute lifestyle. I really wanted to have ownership over my time and be able to set up my work week the way that I wanted to. And so it was through a client's idea, actually, that I started the SC Stock Shop originally, which was kind of the first styled stock shop of its time. If you think back 10 plus years ago, you had like Getty Images and you had iStock. And they were all very masculine, very cold, very commercial, not images that were helpful for female entrepreneurs. And you had at the same time, like you're seeing Instagram um, come about, you're seeing Pinterest come about, you're seeing Etsy and shops like that just exploding. So you have all these women entering the marketplace, which is so awesome, um, but they don't have imagery that they can purchase that they can help build their business around. So I kind of raised my hand as like, I want to I do this. I want to create imagery in mass, use my commercial photography skill, but create imagery in mass that small business owners can use because I just feel like it's incredibly important that women succeed in business. And so I can apply what I know, which is commercial photography, to help them share their 
business ideas and their messages with the world in a bigger way. So that's how you got the SE Stock Shop. And then that eventually morphed into what you know now as Social Squares, which is a style stock image and video membership that still serves female entrepreneurs. So that in a nutshell is like a 13-year journey um, with so many highs and lows along the way. I currently live in Tampa, Florida. I am married to my husband. He's also an entrepreneur, an author, an online business owner. And we have, so like our house is legitimately just a 24-hour mastermind. Like we have to put it off. <laughs> Great, <laughs> like, we'll come join. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a lot of fun. And also just two business centers under one roof is really kind of crazy. So, <laughs> uh, and then we have two girls. So we started having kids real early and I already have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. So they're Aww. in school full time. Um, so I'm in just like a really unique season. And one thing I love about that is since I'm just like a beat ahead of a lot of other business owners who are younger than me and who have new kids, you know, new young kids, I feel like I can just add a little bit of encouragement and like, don't worry, it gets easier. And uh, I like just being like one step ahead to kind of help other mama business owners that are just kind of in the weeds of young kids and young business. Yes. That was not okay. a very succinct answer to your question. No, it was. That was, that was perfect. Trying to get it all perfect. in. Uh, you are in welcome company. I am. I want to glean everything from your brain as possible in this moment. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm so excited based on just everything that we've just heard. Kind of diving in even more, you are known for working a 16-hour work week. Yeah. And so like very minimal work hours compared to like the idea that like entrepreneurship is a freaking 80 hour hustle right. week kind of thing. Can you explain what that means to you, how you started it and why? Yeah. So, so somehow by the grace of God, I have been able to build, I, I, I would say pretty successful business. And I've only ever worked 16 hours a week on it Wait, from so the it, beginning. Oh, wow. So and the reason that. why. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want the the reason why is that in those early days, 16 hours was all the childcare I could afford. <laughs> so that is like the non-sexy origin of the 16 hours a week. But uh, when we moved to Florida, we moved, we had our first child, we bought our first house. Um, and Graham, I was uh, seven months pregnant. It's about to have a baby, move from all of our family, buy our first home. This is 2009, mind you. So we are just at the height of the recession. My husband loses his job. We are there because we're planning a church, but making no money. You know, we were making $500 a month. My husband was helping out as a worship leader. Um, and so we end up on food stamps. My husband cannot get a job. I have a new baby, so I'm trying to do wedding work on the side. Like we're just kind of trying to scrap together whatever entrepreneurial abilities we have to try to buy a pack of oodles of noodles from the grocery store. Um, and that was, you know, we we're just, it was a day. We both needed to make money. We both needed, we literally had $500 a month of guaranteed income coming in. Wow. Um, and I tried working and parenting, like working and having a two-year-old at the same time, like simultaneously, like a, I know a lot of women can do. They can like have a baby on their lap and be answering an email and not be like wanting to pull their hair out. I am not one of those women. <laughs> so I had to compartmentalize, which meant I was going to have to get childcare and 16 hours a week of childcare was all the childcare that I could afford two days a week. So I started it from the beginning with like, I don't really ever want to have to do 
those two things at once, be mom and be business owner at the same time, because I just struggled in that personally. So I knew I was going to have to separate them out. The 16 hours was what I could afford. So I just began from the very beginning to build a business that was sustainable and buildable in those 16 hours. So that limitation or, you know, in quotes, limitation was actually the biggest catalyst for growth because it forced me to choose very, very carefully how I was spending my time. And I have kept that 16 hours to this day, full disclosure. And I, because the question is always like, do you stick to it? Like, are you for real? (laughs) Um, And there are seasons that I work a little bit more. um, Like right now I'm working, I'm supposed to be working, you know, two, seven hour, uh, no, eight hour days. And I'm working like nine hour days. And that's too much. Like it's, uh, I burn out by the end of the day. I like hate my job by the end of the day. (laughs) work a nine hour day. So I have kept, long story short, and now my kids are in school and, you know, the logical question is like, well, why don't you work more hours now that your kids are in school? And we'll get into why. Okay. I don't want to go too far down the road. (laughs) I know because we'll talk, we can get into all of that, but yes, 16 hours. Yes. From the beginning, that's why it started. And I still do that to this day. I mm. love that. <laughs> I, have, I have a question just logistical off of that. What? Yeah. How does the 16 hours break down in a week? So I work two days a week. I work Tuesday and Thursday. And literally the why behind Tuesday and Thursday is because those are the days that the child care center was open. <laughs> like she was in a place <laughs> So that was just how it was. I just, Tuesdays and Thursdays were my work day. And so now, you know, 13 years later, I I just have kept that. So I get into the office around not eight or nine and I get out of the office around four or five. I am just very dialed in and very focused when I'm working. Um, I don't work on my off days with the exception of like, maybe if I had to take a like a podcast recording or something else that just couldn't go into my workday, then I might take it. But for the most part, I literally only work on Tuesday and Thursday because I have lots of other things that I want to do. Like mm-hmm. I I, I want to have time to go work out. I want to go grocery shop. I want to ha- have time to clean up my house. Cleaning is very like cathartic to me. Yeah. I want to be able to go get lunch with a friend. I want to be able to go take like a two-hour walk on Riverwalk nearby, downtown Tampa. Um, there's just so many other things I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I really have found that um, I, I, w- I want to have time for like a long, quiet time. I want to like, and I just am not willing to give all of those things up to work more, or make a little bit more money. So I've kept it. And I think that those off days really give me the fuel to be really intense and head down on my work days. So Mondays I'm off, Wednesdays I'm off. And then Fridays, my husband and I do a date day because he's an entrepreneur too. So he can set his own schedule. So we literally will just spend all day Friday, like having fun. Mm, We'll just go do fun stuff. I love that. (laughs) Love it. Wait, I, I have the question of how do you feel? Cause I, there is such a misconception in the entrepreneur space. It's just in, I feel like in the humanity as a whole (laughs) that we think like the harder you push on something. So the longer you work, the more Mm -hmm. days you work, all that stuff, the more results you see, or the more you get done or the more traction you get, you know, what are your thoughts having started from a 16 hour work week, basically from the beginning, what are your thoughts on kind of that belief that a lot of us entrepreneurs hold in that we have to always be hustling and working, you know, 24 seven round the clock? 
Yeah, that's that is the question. And there's like there's multiple parts to that answer because on the one hand, it is true. If you work more, you might get more results. And I've experienced that in in seeing, you know, when I first started SE Stock Shop, it was really the only one of its kind. And so there wasn't really any competition in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, a lot of other SC, a lot of other stock shops started popping up. And there was women who were giving this 40 plus hours a week who were flying past me in terms of what they were able to produce, how quickly they could produce it, how quickly they were growing a following, how quickly they were, you know, growing revenue. And that was really frustrating for me, honestly. Like I was, that was hard to watch. And, And even now, you can, if you're willing to give it 40 hours a week or whatever, you could, one alternative is you could probably grow faster. You could probably potentially, now there's going to be a huge caveat to this next, but you could potentially grow faster. And so I know for a fact that growing it this way at only 16 hours a week has majorly slowed down what I'm able to do, how much I'm able to make, how quickly I'm able to grow, how many people know my name. There is a lot that I have chosen to give up for the sake of building a life that I actually enjoy being in and that my family thrives, my marriage still thrives, my health still thrives, my relationships with my friends and my church and my community still thrive. I have given up a lot to do this. So it is not necessarily that you can have your cake and eat it too. Um, so there, you know, like there's one acknowledgement that like, sure, if I worked twice as hard, I bet you I could have grown the business twice as big, twice as quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, the huge caveat to that is most of what the average entrepreneur is doing is a complete waste of time. Yes. And if you give yourself 40 hours a week, you are going to fill that 40 hours a week being busy with things that feel good or things that people are telling you you have to do, places you have to show up, things you need to be doing and offering. And and only 20% of what you are doing on average, Pareto's principle, is actually generating the revenue, is actually generating 80% of the revenue. So most of what small business owners are doing is totally wasting their time. So I don't think that always more hours equals more results. And I think a better way is give yourself the limitations, learn what that 20% is that's actually generating revenue. And then if you want to, and then you and I can make the same amount of money, but I can work only 20% of the hours. (laughs) Or you can decide, Shay, I don't ever want to work 16 hours. That sounds miserable. You can work twice as much. And so what does that mean? That means that you're going to 3X, 4X, 5X what you're able to make because you know the 20% that's actually driving revenue. So it's a multi-part answer. Yep, lots of people have built faster, bigger businesses uh, who are able to give it more hours, but more hours does not always equal more money. And less hours does not always equal less money. I mean, I feel like I have grown a very financially profitable business only working 16 hours. It's exceeded my dreams. Is it as big as it could be? Nope. Is it more than big enough that I need it to be for what we need for our family, to be able to employ other women, to be able to like accomplish, work towards accomplishing the good that I want to see in the world through it? Yes, it's more than enough. So 
So good. Oh, I love this. Wait, I have like five <laughs> things, five questions, five thoughts. Okay, hang on. Let me get my brain on. First and foremost, the word that just kept coming to my mind or words when you were talking, Shay, was you built slow and steady. And yeah. I think there is something so important to notice in that for our listeners mm-hmm. because the biggest pitfall for many entrepreneurs, many visionaries, people who are very passionate, who you know get this idea and just go hard with it, mm-hmm. is that we go out too hard, too fast, and we burn out. Yeah, Either I've heard what- it. Someone has a famous quote, someone way smarter than me, and I wish I could remember who, but it's like, your, the rate of growth is going to be your rate of like burnout. Like that's going to be your shelf life. So if you like blow up and you just hustle like crazy and it only takes you a year to like get to a million dollars or whatever it is, it's going to take you a year to burn out and you're going to be done. Like whatever your growth rate is, is going to be like, that's your shelf life also because to your point exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's so, I don't know. I think that's the the danger for most entrepreneurs is we get, we love what we do. And mm-hmm. so it's very easy, like you said, to fill, you know, a 40, 60, 80 hour work week thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, we're loving what we're doing. We're building this business. We love mm-hmm. seeing the results. And then burnout is just like, you know, peeking its head around the corner. And that sucks. Um, so that was one thing that I was like slow and steady. And that I think is so important. The other thing that I would love for you to kind of follow up on if you're willing is you mentioned, you know, the, the 20% actually driving revenue, like the 80, 20 Mm -hmm. rule. Yeah. Can you, how you said like, find what 20% actually is driving your revenue. Do you have suggestions? bumping around in my brain. I'm like, how do you know? Yes. For the, for the listener right now, who's like, wait, are you kidding me? Like I'm busting my butt right now. And I, yeah. like, I, th- none of this is actually, or not none of this, but 80% of this is probably like busy work or not actually driving revenue. How do I find that 20%? What would you like, do you have thoughts on that? Suggestions, advice? Yeah, hundred percent. And it's not my concept. So you can look up Pareto principle. It's a, it's a principle that applies outside of business too. And it literally just says that 20% of the um, like effort is yielding 80% of the results. So the same is true about relationships. The same is true about all kinds of different things, but we can apply it in business and see that. And you're right. The million dollar question is like, how do I figure out what's actually driving revenue? So, um, simple answer is I have all this in a guide for you. So let me just give you guys a link to this because then it can actually walk you through an 80, 20 analysis and, that will kind of get your wheels turning about what identifying what those 20% are. And then I'll give you like the overview of it. But if they want this guide, they can go to socialsquares.com slash heart and hustle. Oh, and right up at the top is a like how to make more and work less. And all that guide is, is an 80, how to do an 80, 20 analysis of your business. So that will literally walk them through it. Socialsquares.com slash heart and hustle. But the overarching thing is you're really just, you're going to apply it to two different things. You're going to apply it both to the use of your time. What am I doing with my time? And you're going to list everything from email to Instagram engagement to building a course, you know, meeting with clients or customers. Literally, you're indexing every single thing that you do, big or small, for your business. And then you're going to identify which of those things most directly leads to revenue. And one of the best questions that you can use to apply, and I think this comes from Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, because he talks a lot about this, is... If you went to the, you were having major, major health issues and you went to the doctor and the doctor said that you could only work four hours a week on your business, only four hours a week on your business, or your heart is going to explode and you're going to die. So you have to, (laughs) what would you do? What would you do with those four hours? 
And you're going to like really give that some thought and you're going to really put that on paper. Well, if I could only, um, you know, okay, if I could only work four hours a week, I'd have to like just shoot, you know, if we're talking to photographers, like I'd have to just be the one that's showing up and shooting. And then he takes that question a step farther and he says, if you could only work two hours a week on your business. And at this point, like every entrepreneur is like sweating bullets. (laughs) If you can only work two hours a week on your business, what would you do? Like, what would you be forced to do to keep the lights on and the doors open? And and filtering everything that you're doing through that is going to really identify like what are the core things that really drive revenue. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up with the things that you would do in those, let's say, four hours a week. And then you're going to have all of these other things. And so with the other things, you're going to either eliminate it altogether. We're just going to get rid of it. We're just not going to be on Clubhouse. We're just not going to have a Facebook community. We're just not going to, you know, X, Y, Z. And that's the hard part, right? You're like going to give up on little amounts of money sometimes um, in order to have like big impact in other areas. You're going to eliminate some of those things. You're going to automate some of those things. So some things like sales can be automated through sales funnels. Like you're going to figure out what you can automate and then you're going to figure out what you can delegate so that you're left with that 20% that is actually really driving revenue. And then do that stuff for as many hours a week as you want to do. But the point is you're going to have exponential profitability if you look at it through that lens. So does that kind of answer your question? And then that guide will like walk them through that. But the concept is you apply that to the use of your time. And then the second part of that is you apply that to the services that you offer. Because generally what we find is that the same thing is true. There's going to be 20% of your products or services that are actually generating 80% of your result. And so if you can be bold and brave and have entrepreneurial grit and cut that 80% of products that are or services that are making you a little bit of money, and you just put all that time and energy and resource into those ones that really are generating the most revenue, that's where, you again, you start to see like exponential growth. But most entrepreneurs don't believe that. <laughs> so they, yeah. just, they just keep doing all the things. But, you know, here you go. There's there's the secret. That's mm-hmm. it. Oh, this, this is so good. Okay, wait. Just like Evie, I have 5 million things buzzing <laughs> around in my head. Okay, okay, okay. Based on what you just said, this is like maybe a selfish question. How, okay, let me organize myself for a second. <laughs> when you were, this is maybe a two-part question. So I'm assuming you, I mean, as a smart business owner would like delegate, like hire out as you would grow the business. Yeah. My question is, and this is maybe a selfish question uh, for me. Um, like, do you have team members that are completely handling things or do they create stuff that then you need to approve as the S? I almost said SEO. Wow. No CEO. Um, and if that's the case, do you, do you strictly keep it to like, I will do like approvals or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. team communication on that Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe third part question, <laughs> <laughs> do you ever feel that like guilty pull on days that are not Tuesday and Thursday to like, Oh, my team member can't move forward with this thing. Cause they're waiting on me, but it's like a Friday and they're not going to hear from me until next Tuesday. Like, yeah. do you ever feel that guilt? Okay. That was like so many questions. Okay. Okay. They're good. And they're, they're good there. I'm totally tracking with you. Um, what was the first question? <laughs> you said I'm totally tracking. Wait, hang on. I'm totally tracking. I guess with the 16-hour week, how do you delegate to a team? Like, do you have them That's right. okay. 100% yes, yes, yes. take things over? Or are they still doing stuff to then send to you to approve as the CEO? Yes. Okay. So the, the best thing that you can do growing a company is, and as a CEO owner, is CEO 
owner is to very quickly acknowledge um, that you need other people's help and that there are other people that are smarter than you and are better than you at certain tasks. And if you want to keep your hands on everything, because it's our baby, you know, you want to see every word, you want to read every caption, you want to, you know, you want to see every graphic, you want to read every email. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's a choice, but everything is going to bottleneck at you and you will not be able to work one of these reduced hours type businesses. Mm. The only way that this, well, there's multiple ways that this works and it depends on the business. Like my husband works like four hours a week in his business and he's got like million dollar business and he doesn't only he doesn't even have any team members. So there's multiple ways to do this. It just depends on your industry. I need a lot of team. I actually have a a fairly big team. I feel like I have like six main kind of part-time team members and then I've got um, other contributing photographers and all kinds of stuff like that. I couldn't do what I do now without my team. So it just depends on the business model as to how much help you're going to need. But it wasn't always like that. And in the early stages, I started with, you know, the way most people listening will start, like one VA. So I, I said, all right, the way I make money, the way the business moves forward is if I shoot. So I need to be spending every possible hour shooting. So I need to find somebody else who can answer the emails, who can post to social media, who can send out an email. Like I can't be doing that stuff. I, if I'm only going to work 16 hours a week, I have to be producing images. That is what keeps the doors open. So but again, you have to be willing to let go of control. Admit that you don't know everything and control everything. Um, Allow other people to speak into how something should be done. But you certainly get to choose who you hire and choose when you fire. So you do get to try to find the person that's a best fit, that understands brand voice, that understands, you know, that can design the way you want to design or can write emails the way you want to write emails. And it is going to be very messy and it's going to be a give and take and it's not always going to feel satisfying because no one's going to do it exactly the way you do it. But if you want to build a business where you are hands-off, you are going to have to remove yourself from everything possible. So now, the way this, so this is kind of getting into the third part of that question. And do I feel guilty on the off days when my team is working? For starters, I've tried to hire people and give them the same flexibility to build the life that they want. Okay, I'm building the life that I want and that looks like 16 hours a week, but that might be different for them. They may want to work 30 hours a week or five hours a week. So I try to, you know, allow for that. So everyone's working different days, different hours, and nobody has to like be mad at anyone else. Now, do I feel guilty because I work... I want to, I'm, I put in kind of the lowest hours on the team. There are times when I do, there are, but I feel like when I'm on, I try to contribute at a really high level that keeps the business moving forward so that it's not the hours of time that's like, oh, well, she puts in 10 hours and she puts in six. Therefore, the person putting in 10 is like working harder. It's all about contribution to the company. So you can make a massive contribution in four hours or in 10 hours. So I kind of frame what I do through that. Um, and try to make sure that I use my time really wisely and with really big impact. But in order for that to work, I've had to learn. And and when I say learn, I mean, I've been like really bad at this and I still am bad at it in different ways. I have to learn to give other people ownership so that they can solve the problem on their own, so that they can make a decision without me, so that I am not the bottleneck. And so I've spent the past year 
you know, my team really started to grow probably four years ago. And I've spent all of those four years trying to remove myself from one thing after another and let them make the decision, let them make a mistake, let them fail, let them experiment, let them do something that's not the way I would do it. Um, So that, I mean, like what's more important to me, it being perfect and perfectly the way I want it or me like living this life as an entrepreneur in a healthy, thriving way. And and that's more important to me. So on the regular, I have to be like, you know what? I might not have said it like that, but it's good enough. I might not have chosen that image, but it's good enough. I might not have done it that way, but it's good enough. Um, it's That's not easy, but the more you can remove yourself if you want that kind of business, that is what's going to be necessary in order to build that kind of business is a lot of ownership, freedom, and flexibility for your team to make the decisions that they need and go, you know, so that they're not waiting on you for the exact reasons that you outlined. This is like not even a podcast episode anymore. This is just like a personal coaching call. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay and I are like sitting over here like taking notes. Like, yes, okay, wonderful. (laughs) Reminder. I mean, I know not everybody is there, so we don't have to go like too far down that road. But you're in a very challenging phase of business where you you become managers. Yeah. um, And you're doing less of, I mean, hopefully not, but generally that means that you kind of end up doing more people management and doing less of the things that you really want to be doing. And it's just, it's a whole thing, like learning to manage a team and give them ownership and also create a culture that has ownership and accountability. It's a whole thing. That's why there's books and books and books and books written on leadership and organizational leadership. It's a challenge. So I was really good at photography, let's say. That does not mean I'm really good (laughs) at leadership and organizational (laughs) leadership. I'm having to relearn all of that stuff all the time. And it's just, it's a whole different world. So to encourage everyone listening, that's like, I don't have a team. Like, am I feeling, I feel left out of this conversation. Man, solopreneur life can be awesome. Mm -hmm. Having a team is not the end all be all. And it comes with a lot of additional work. And you're going to have to learn a totally different skill set to really thrive as a team leader, as a, you know, with, when you've got direct reports and that kind of thing. So, and it, it slows things down. I mean, it can speed things up in some ways, but slows things down in a lot of ways. So I don't think we need to uh, elevate having a team as the goal because it really does have a lot of challenges that solopreneur life doesn't have. So just to encourage anyone listening, that's like, I don't know, like, I don't have that. Am I, am I doing meaningful things too? Yes. And maybe solopreneur plus VA or plus integrator is like the sweet spot for you. So don't feel less than just because you don't have a team. It's not necessarily better. That's so good. Oh man. I love this. I love this conversation. I want you to imagine this for a second. Working with your team on a project and you're just trying to do everything over email. Things seem to work well enough at the beginning, but once you start adding more than a couple of people or sharing more than a couple of files, the entire project becomes absolute chaos. Legit, managing projects is honestly tough enough, but it's a struggle to juggle people, work, and expectations under pressure. But the problem is like many project management platforms make it even harder by overcomplicating things, leading teams to abandon tools when the promise fades and frustration sets in. That's when teams turn to Basecamp. 
Okay, famously straightforward and effective, teams stick with it and projects thrive on it. Basecamp makes it possible to collaborate on projects without having to waste time. Teams that use Basecamp send less emails and have fewer meetings. If you are struggling with projects and team communication, sign up for Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you all of their features in a single plan. No upsells and no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com forward slash heart and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best, and you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint? Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? <laughs> okay. And your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking and you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry. That's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now, we spent hours designing these customizable, professional, and conversion-intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt, even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before and you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. So when you are elevating your, or like hiring, I guess, as you are building your business, like, mm-hmm. do you do the photography for social scores anymore? I'm assuming no. Or? I do very little of it. So okay. we have contributors from all over the world. And that was because, I mean, it was also because of the use of my time was changing. I had to move into more management roles and I wanted to have more time for things like podcasts and speaking events and things like that. But um, also, I live in Florida. And so if you need snow images, like I am not your girl. <laughs> so, like I realized very quickly, like, oh, our product's going to suck if it's just me. <laughs> I have to hire other people. Um, so to answer your question, I do still contribute regularly, but I don't make up the bulk of the images in the catalog. But I still love shooting. Um, so I really am trying to keep my foot in it. And I'm, I'm trying to always like make more time for me to get back to that because I'm a creative. Like I'm, yeah. I was just a photographer that liked styling things and taking pictures. And now I, now I run a tech SaaS company and I'm like, how did we get here? <laughs> Technology. So what are we going to do about that? <laughs> um, but I'm trying to get back to more creativity. So the, you know, long answer is yes, I do still shoot for it because I love it because yeah. I, that's actually like a piece that I really love. I love it. Okay. So I kind of want to pull back and ask you, Shay, 
for the listener right now who's sitting here, who's like, I, something is like just getting lit up in my spirit, in my soul, in my heart. I love this concept of the 16 hour work week or just mm-hmm. pulling back on my time. I am, you know, a young mom or I just got married or, you know, whatever season of life they're in. And they're just in love with this concept, but mm-hmm. they've never, I don't know, they've never thought of this this way. They've never thought of, oh, am I just working on stuff because it's in front of me and mm-hmm. I think it, I should do it? What would you say to the person who's listening to this who is ready to take their first step into kind of building like a 16-hour work week? Do you have yeah. thoughts on like, here's where to begin? <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like the beautiful thing about this situation that you're in is that you have some ownership over the life that you build as an entrepreneur. So if you have started a business and like, congratulations, like that's a really big step. I mean, it's kind of sucks to work like 24 or, you know, to work 40 hours a week for somebody else and to not have ownership over your time and be able to do what you're passionate about. So there's such a beautiful opportunity now to build a business that really serves you and serves your family, but we don't want to grow at all costs and we don't want money at all costs. So mm-hmm. the, the opportunity you have now is to decide what you want. And if you don't decide what you want, the industry and your customers and your clients and your peers will decide for you because they're going to say, you need to do this. You need to show up here. You need to be making this amount of money. It needs to look like this. You have to offer this because everyone else offers this. Um, And if if you just thoughtlessly buy into that, well, okay, I'm just going to do it all. And like, that's how I'm going to grow the business. Then you will be a slave to it from here on out because then everybody else gets to make those. Everyone else is deciding for you. Someone has to decide and it's either going to be you deciding what you want life to look like or it's going to be them. And I've done a little bit of both. So where I've landed is decide first. So step one, decide what you want life to look like. What is the ideal situation for you? Don't wait for, don't tell yourself that, oh, I'll have that someday, but it's not possible now. I got to work my way towards that. Oh, not necessarily. Um, So decide what you want. And that means the hours that you want to work, what you want your workday to look like, the types of activities you want to be doing, um, how much money you need. Like, what is your enough? Like, don't just let the financial piece be a moving target where more is always better. I mean, you really do have to decide, you know, I really only need to make an extra three grand a month to be contributing to my family. Or Mm -hmm. I really need to make $10,000 a month because I'm the, my husband's in school and I'm the one who's paying all the bills. Like, but don't let that be an open-ended question. Like there needs to be a, a solid dollar figure associated with what you need to make, need to make. And then everything past need to make is awesome. Like that's just, that's gravy. And so you can celebrate that and then you can decide at that point how much more work you want to do. But start by just that first mental work of deciding. And I would, my encouragement, my challenge for you, if you're sitting here saying like, I just, that sounds great, but I can't afford to do that. Like that sounds great, but like I could never do that. Flip that question in your head from, I can't afford to do that to how could I do that? How could I afford to do that? What would it take? What would I have to do to only work two days a week or three days a week or however, whatever amount of time you want to work? Um, I think flipping the script there in your mind is like a really good place to start. So decide, okay, 
apply the 80-20 principle would be my next thing. Like, what are you doing? What are the things actually making a difference? If you're, because a lot of people get stuck in the circle of like, well, I'm not making enough money to slow down. I'm not making enough money to work less hours. I'm not making enough money to hire someone. And it's only because they're just doing too many things that aren't working. So if they can really just identify that 20%, look at how much time you just freed up. So then you can do do that 20% for the total amount of hours that you're willing to work and you are going to see revenue increase because you're going to focus on that one product that's really selling well. You're going to focus on that one platform where you're really getting the most traction. So you, the money will come. And that's, I think, just the hardest thing to trust is that if I do less um, and, and work less and say no to more, that financial growth and business growth and scalability can can happen but it is you just have to be one of those brave souls <laughs> that like steps into that um so start with those two things i mean there's more there's more steps but i will just say that you can do it but take the first step, decide, create the boundaries for yourself. Like what are your work hours going to be? Because it's those decisions that are going to force you to have a filter for what you're going to do and are going to keep you focused on that 20%. But you can do it. So, But challenge yeah. all the narratives that you're telling yourself about you can't or that'll come later or that's available to her but not to me and start to just ask, okay, what would I need to do? How could I do that? How could I afford that? What could that look like? And step one is decide, decide, and then start to make those small changes to action on what you've decided. Mm-hmm. Oh, Shay, this is life-changing. Like, this is so mm. good. Like, I, I can just, like, see the wheels turning and everyone listening and being like, oh, my gosh. Because it's so true. Like, if you don't implement boundaries, mm-hmm. I feel like you can fall into that trap of always being a slave to your business because your business will take however many energy and hours you give it. Yeah. Um Wow, this is just, I'm just And it's scary. Like, I remember when I was doing commercial work and I'm only working Tuesday and Thursday and I'm dealing with like art directors out in LA. And I literally had an email responder up that was like, I'm in the office on Tuesday and Thursday. (laughs) So I will get back to you. And so on a Thursday night, they're waiting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five days until Tuesday. (laughs) And what happened was, I'm sure some people were like, nope. But then the people that I attracted, the clients that I attracted were people that also valued the things that I valued. They valued Mm -hmm. family. They wanted to be present with their kids. So from day one, I I just set those expectations on the front end with customers and clients. And I had my business, my hours of operation everywhere. You know, I work from eight to five, Tuesdays and Thursday because I have young kids at home. I will respond to you during those hours. And I attracted the type of clients that that uh, I lost clients. Yep, said no to money, absolutely. But attracted the type of clients that valued the same things that made you know doing that possible um, and profitable and kept me in like a really healthy space to be able to still be doing this now 13 years later. Yeah. Uh, so well, good. I think there's something so powerful too to be said for something that you mentioned kind of at the beginning of your answer of like, where do you begin? Mm-hmm. Um, in that more is not always better. And and I think especially in entrepreneurship, there's this, especially if you're the least bit competitive like me (laughs) at all, you're like, oh, I have to like, this is my next big goal. And like, it's very easy to set arbitrary goals and arbitrary numbers and to be like, like, look at other people that are doing it and feel like you're behind. Absolutely. I mean, I think all of us on this call are basically right now being like, been there, done that, still struggle with that. (laughs) And just being very real with you, like this year, we mid-year, had to reduce our goal by $250,000. Okay, that's painful. But what I had to do is I had to have the conversation with myself of like, 
do I need to make that amount more money? Yeah. Yes, I know how it would help us and where how we'd be able to grow with it. You know, I know why we arrived at that number. But can I like be really satisfied in work and have reduced our overall annual goal for this year by $250,000? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, do I... Do I want to like double down my team and burn them out trying to hit that like kind of arbitrary goal that I had set at the beginning of the year? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't entirely arbitrary. I We arrived at it. It was a data-driven conclusion, but we just realized we were going to need to pivot because of what was happening <laughs> with technology, because of what was happening, just because of how yes. our year went. Yeah. Um, but it's having that like honest moment of like, do I need that? Do I need more or can I be like okay yeah. with where we're at? Is it still successful if it's just here and not there? Is it still successful yep. um, if, yeah, anyway. So just to be honest with you, like it's just a very real part of business ownership and knowing you're enough and really taking yes. the moment. I just don't think we step back long enough to assess. We just, those of us that are competitive and ambitious, we can <laughs> driving and driving and driving and driving yes. and driving and not step back and be like, hold on, you know what? do I actually even need to make that amount or could yeah. I be okay? Like, do I actually yeah. even need to do that or could we be okay? So, yeah. Well, so I think good. to give you, you know, our, our listeners like a similar, you know, hey, us too, is, you know, Lindsay and I have, have built multiple businesses and including the heart to figures and numbers and revenue and just community and things that we never thought possible. But a couple of years ago, we got to the place where we were hitting like, seven figures. We were hitting mm-hmm. numbers that we were like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. awesome. But we also kind of pulled ourselves back and thought, uh, we are working yeah. hard so much. in yeah. this business. We are doing, like we are burning ourselves out essentially in yeah. all of these companies, especially in the heart. And we, our priority is like children and family. And the, yeah. what we're building the heart to right now is not going to be sustainable with what we want our lives to look like. And yeah. so we started yeah. pulling back. So our revenue numbers went down, but mm-hmm. we are now rebuilding and restructuring the heart into what we actually want this company to look like. And we yeah. realized like, I can sit here now and say, hey, you know, yeah, sure. If, if we can get the heart, you know, on a more passive uh, business model to get back up to, you know, really high numbers. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Sure. But I am not willing to sacrifice the life that we're wanting to build yep. for those numbers. And I am a-okay if the heart stays revenue, like financially much lower mm-hmm. in order to maintain. Life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something that, I don't know, I just wish more, like I wish I'd kind of like known earlier, not that I, feel like I would do anything different, but just mm-hmm. like now I'm having this like epiphany in, in the last couple of years of business and being like, oh yeah, no, no, no. I don't have to hit six figures. I don't have to hit seven figures. I don't have to yeah, hit eight figures. Like, those numbers come with much less profitability. I mean, yeah. depending on what you need to hit those numbers, what you're actually taking home and keeping could decrease. So you yeah. just can't assume that more is better, right? That's yeah. kind of the bottom line of the situation. It's like, don't assume that more is driv- is better and yeah. don't be driven by more is better. You know, yes. really I'm sitting step back here, I'm sitting here, uh, Shay, uh, like maybe, was it even a year ago? Like, so 2021, me and Evie do an annual like retreat for mm-hmm. us and our team every year. And I remember like our goal was, I think, genuinely in the next like five years to have like 10 courses out. And yeah. I'm like lolling at past us <laughs> right now. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why? Why, why did I get so like, why did I think yeah. we needed to do that? I mean, I have plenty of those things too. I'm right <laughs> there with you. 
Yes. <laughs> well, I hope that's an encouragement for for any listeners who's hearing right now, you know, as we're spe- specifically talking about like, you know, your 16-hour work week, Shay, and just this concept of, you know, being very intentional with your time and not just constantly on the hustle or the grind of entrepreneurship, but being a lot more strategic of, hey, I want this to be slow and steady to build the life that I actually want, that my business is supporting and not that my lifestyle is supporting my business, like the opposite. Um, And I hope that's just an encouragement from, you know, all of us sitting here chatting that we have found the exact same in in building and scaling businesses, that more is not always better. And Mm -hmm. that sometimes, in fact, less actually means better, that you're better. in yeah less yeah. less even means more money too so yes, you know, so like there's just give it a try at least yes. give it a try yeah I love this okay <laughs> kind of wrapping up the episode we have a couple questions that we yep. love to ask uh, our guests the first one is selfish but all for our listeners <laughs> love this as well what is your favorite book that you've read recently yeah okay on the spiritual side. I recently read Invitation to Silence and Solitude by Ruth Haley Barton, and it was really good, just about slowing down and stillness before God. So highly recommend that. Um, Definitely like a challenging book if you find yourself like just struggling to sit still and quiet down mentally and internally, emotionally. So that was a great one. And then on the business side, I recently read and loved Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. He's the founder and former CEO of Moz. But I will say for like that, that just kind of gave a very honest picture of what it looks like to like be a founder and grow a really large business. But I think for the average small business owner, read Traction like that. I I just picked that back up for like the 18th time. Yes. <laughs> you read it like twice yes. a year, every year for 10 years. So it's just a really good book. If you haven't read it and you're a business owner, please, please, please just read Traction. That's going to really give you a great start. Or Profit First is another really good one. But um, I've really, Traction has just been kind of like my business coach, literally. Yes. I'm yes. like, I don't know what I'm doing. Some, I need yes. somebody to help me understand how to do this. Yeah. So that would be just I'm, like a book recommendation in general for business. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, if anybody is listening to any episode of this podcast, you know that we are big fans of Traction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the fact it. that Shay just confirmed that. Also, we've had Mike McCallowitz on here talking about yes. profits. So like, yes, yes, love that. I'm adding the <laughs> other two to my list because yes, yes, yes. Okay. Lindsay, every time Lindsay and I ask a guest that question on the podcast, we instantly both pull up our phones with our notes app with our book list. <laughs> okay, so yeah. you guys should also read, I have so many favorite books, like Good to Great. Have you read Good to Great? Yes, I okay. have. Yes. So have you read Trillion Wait. Dollar Coach? No. <gasps> okay. I don't think I have. Read Trillion Dollar Coach. Have you read Deep Work? Yes. yes. Okay, so we're on the same page. <laughs> read Trillion Dollar Coach then out of those that you haven't. It's so good. I love this. I'm literally writing all these down. Okay, great. (laughs) Okay, Shay, the next question is kind of a deep one. If you need a second, you can process this. But what is the biggest lesson you've learned in business? (sighs) How much more time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) All right, new podcast episodes starting. You want me to pick one lesson that I've learned? I know. (laughs) Um, I would say if you are really, if you're in this to really try to grow a big business. I don't know. That's not even a fair way to start. But if you're <laughs> if you're in this and this isn't like a side hobby and you're like, "No, I really I really want to I really want to build and grow and scale a company." Then I would say 
Know your weaknesses and be very honest with yourself and with others about your weaknesses because your company is going to grow to exhibit those same weaknesses if you don't identify them really early on and surround yourself with people who can see your blind spots and shine where you're weak. So an example would be like, if you're disorganized, you're probably going to have a disorganized company. If you're impulsive, it's going to be infused into the culture of your company. Your strengths are going to be infused into your company culture and your weaknesses are going to be infused. And so if you're like, la, 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 I don't want to like acknowledge my weaknesses, then you're going to build a company that like embodies all those same weaknesses and shoots itself in the foot. So another example of that would be like, if you're like me and you're like kind of risk averse and you really want to know the answer before you proceed and you get overwhelmed easily, you have to surround yourself with people who aren't like you and who won't get stuck and who don't feel limited by those same things and who are willing to take risks or you're not going to pivot when you need to or you're not going to see a bad idea coming when it comes across if you've just surrounded yourself with people that are just like you. So just be, as you're growing as an entrepreneur, you're going to make so many mistakes. You're going to have so many weaknesses. I have so many weaknesses. I will always have so many different weaknesses. But just get honest about those very early on. Like I'm not a detail person or I'm not organized or I'm not a good communicator or this or that. Be honest. Be honest with your team and try to surround yourself with people that are different from you and who are strong in the areas that you're weak. And you're going to have a much more stable and healthy and productive uh, culture, whether you only have three employees or you have five employees or you have two employees. Um, and or, or if it's just you, like just mm-hmm. know your weaknesses and try to grow in those areas. Read the books, take the course, like develop yeah. yourself in those areas that you're weak because your strengths will get you so far, okay? My strengths have gotten me really far and my weaknesses are totally killing me right now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You can acknowledge those things and educate yourself or grow or surround yourself with the right people, the better off you'll be. And then you can make far fewer mistakes than I have made. Uh, That is so good. That is gospel truth right there. Literally so incredible. Oh my gosh. You are amazing. Thank you so much for your time and the wisdom that you just shared here today. I know I'm walking away feeling like inspired and excited and just uh, given so much to chew on over the next few days. And I know our Yay. listeners are probably feeling the same. So for anyone who is sitting here like, man, I am in love with this woman and I need to follow along. I need to get connected with social squares. I need, you know, whatever that is, where can everyone find you and plug into what you're doing? Yeah. Well, first of all, just thanks for having me on here. I just have enjoyed this so much and I feel super honored to be on here. So thanks for even giving me an invite to have the conversation. And then, yeah, let's all be friends. I am not on very many places (laughs) because it says 16 (laughs) hours a week, but you can find me on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram. As Shay Cochran. And then you can find Social Squares on Instagram as Social Squares. So pretty easy. You can find out more about Social Squares image and video membership at socialsquares.com. But I'm on Instagram. Come hang out. Come say hi. DM me if you hear this podcast episode and it, you know, something was impactful. I'm always happy to have these types of conversations. So I'm excited to connect more with your audience. Oh my gosh. Well, we loved having you. Thank you so much for being here. Besties for life now. (laughs) Starting now. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Shay. Thank you. 